0: So welcome back to another Impact Sessions podcast with me, Nick Bramley. On this episode, I'm delighted to be exploring both sides of the business buying and selling equation. What it's like to acquire a business and what it's like to be acquired. To explore this really interesting subject, particularly given the economic climate that we're in, I've got Peter Rowlands, who's Senior VP for IndoTrade UK, and I've got Paul Connor who's Managing Director of Ellard, who are also now an Indutrade company. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, guys.
1: Thank you very much, Nick. It's great to be here.
0: Excellent. Morning, Nick. Well, nice to be here. Okay, well, I know it's your first time you've done podcasts, guys, and that's absolutely fine. We'll uh, we'll rattle through some questions and, and make it interesting for our audience, and let's just explore the subject, really. Um, we had a couple of your Indutrade company guys on recently on episode 47 uh, we had um, neil matthews and chris shanks from irving springs they were talking about managing remotely you know in, in, a, in a pandemic this is a very different subject um i've worked with indertrade and indeed ellard for a few years now and different guys is different training different stuff that we've done but it's a very fascinating business model it's very dynamic and i want to explore that so so let's start with with peter really give us a bit of an insight into Indutrade. Um, You know, what's the business model structure, particularly in the UK, and, and, and how many businesses are in your Indutrade family in the UK right now?
1: Okay, well, if I, if I go back to the, the roots of Indutrade, we actually started in, in 1978. And since then, over that 40 uh, year period, we've made over 200 acquisitions in uh, in over 30 countries around the world. So we've grown during that, that period to be a, a very large, successful business. And our, and our turnover last year was about 7, uh, 1.7 billion pounds equivalent. Obviously we're a Swedish company, mm. Uh, ultimately, and that, that's where our, our roots and our foundation was, but we've grown um, in, in in a large way outside Scandinavia and Sweden as well, and, and, and the UK is, is very much a prime example of that. Our businesses are all niche technical solution providers, so they could be manufacturing businesses or they could be technical trading companies, and in the case in point, uh, LRD and uh, uh, NRG, which you will come on to talk about, they they were both more technical trading, with a little bit of manufacturing in there, but mainly technical trading companies. We operate in many different industrial sectors, selling a huge range of products all over the world. Uh, And this results in the India trade family having great uh, know-how and knowledge and and phenomenal stability, because we're in so many different industrial (laughs) markets and geographical sectors. Wow. Uh Our, our business model is, is very, very simple. It's to develop the existing portfolio companies, that's our first priority, and acquire new great companies that, that fit into the trade uh, um, family. So our, our core values, which we try to the best of our ability to, to live by all the time, uh, we've got three core values. The overriding value is, is you know we're very people-centric, so we believe people make the difference. But then beneath that, we say um, uh, entrepreneurship. So the businesses we tend to acquire are run and built and developed by entrepreneurs with a passion for business. We operate a very decentralized model, which is uh, built on trust. And that's really important to us as an organization. And also a very long-term built on profitable growth. So we like to acquire businesses that have had uh, a very strong uh, track record of, of sales growth and profitable growth. Uh, And there's never an expectation to divest ourselves of any of the businesses we acquire. So it very much is a a lifelong relationship we're looking for. If we look at what what we are in the UK, um, we've got eight business areas uh, in in the India Trade Group. And the UK is one of those business areas. And we've got 15 MDs running about 20 legal entities. uh, And the group overall has 30 businesses in the UK.
0: I mean that's a hell of a significant uh, spread, not just in the UK but you know internationally. That's financial stability. It's it's you know cross referencing skill sets. We're going to explore what the Indutrade family brings to, you know, being an acquired business really. So I guess from I had a question about is Indutrade on a constant acquisition curve, to 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 a lesser or greater extent. I guess you've always got your eyes open, haven't you?
1: absolutely that's the case so um, we're very opportunistic as, as as well as proactive in terms of the acquisitions that, that we we make and if you look at the the recent history over the last five ten years it's been uh 10 to 15 companies a year we've acquired this year we've, we've acquired five companies so far in the first two months so yes we're we're always on that on, on the acquisition uh path
0: excellent well let's look at paul so welcome paul um you were formerly the owner and managing director of, of a competitor of Ellard, ironically, a, a company called NRG and not Ellard themselves. And that was certainly sort of where your exposure to Indertrade first happened. Um, I understand that Ellard, um pre your involvement was acquired by Indertrade in February, 2017. Then NRG was acquired and merged into Ellard sort of about a year, uh, 18 months later, November, 2018. So um I'm interested in what was the process of you being an acquired business as NRG into Elard who were also an acquired business of Indertrade. it seems you know quite a lot going on in a transition what what was what was that like during that time period paul um I think we
2: we were obviously acquired at the back end of 18 um and obviously, we'd known that Indu Trade had taken over Elard the year before. Um, so from, from from my perspective, we when we decided to put the business up for sale, it was it was sort of fairly obvious to us that Lard stroke Trade would be a potential acquirer of us. Mm. Uh, the match was it was quite a good match from we we both sold sort of similar products. But in different completely different markets and it therefore gave a company like LR the opportunity to to expand their market portfolio with, with similar products without really changing an awful lot so from it was it was so sort of, at the time it was fairly obvious i thought that that, that was what the, the route would be mm. and, you know when they actually approached us it was it was it was the right time for us, and I think I think it was the right time for Elad as well.
0: Okay, it's interesting though, as a, as a business owner and and, and as as Peter's already mentioned, sort of with having an entrepreneurial approach and spirit type thing. Can you remember how you felt at the time of you giving up what you built, if you like, as as Paul Connor and NRG, and going into large and therefore large is an trade company. That's a hell of a jump, isn't it? Did that have any do you have any issues about maybe losing the NRG name that you, you'd put your efforts and energy in? How did you feel about that? Uh well, on the day, on the day that the business was sold, it's a real somber day.
2: It's actually quite surprising how you feel. Um, mm. the actual deal went through at eight o'clock at night. Um, and Peter sort of came on the line with everybody, the lawyers and everybody. And it's just a very quick congratulations, the deal's done, and you you go home and you've sold your business. And uh, I had pizza from the night before and some champagne. I actually felt very different than I thought, I thought I'd thought i feel. Yeah. And I think what's the biggest surprise to me was on the Monday, I sort of rang Peter, expected trade to be all over me. And it was pretty much, now just carry on and I'll, I'll see you in a, in a few weeks. And that was when I knew straight away then that I'd made the right decision. Mm because they
0: they were doing exactly what they said they would do, which is just let me carry on. So it didn't feel like you've been acquired to be micromanaged or any of that nature. I quite like you're a classy guy called Peter from the day before that's that's a really impressive sort of uh, celebratory celebratory <laughs> meal uh, on that basis. But it's interesting then is not it? I'm going to explore with Peter. Um, I know that you acquire businesses ac- actively. But is it unusual for you to acquire a business like an Lard and then within eighteen months be encouraging LR themselves to also be an acquirer? Um, you know, is that is that part of the direct model? Is that unusual? It seems quite um, strange to me that in that period of time, while you're acquiring LR, there's a lot going on with, it, with with being an acquired business, and yet at the same time you're encouraging them to continue that acquisition at the next level. Surely there's a lot going on to, to cope with. How, how unusual was that set of circumstances for, for inditrade at that time?
1: I'd, I'd say it, it is a little bit unusual for certainly my experience of what we've been uh, doing in the UK but we've got a very flexible and pragmatic uh, model in practice. And so to buy a company like Elard is entirely normal for, 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 for Indue Trade. And then we encourage all our companies to consider how they can grow primarily through uh, organic means, but also through acquisition. And, and both the, uh, the former MD of Elard and uh, Paul uh, knew of each other and, and knew each other prior to uh, and, and any discussions. Uh, and NRG really came along. It, it, it was the perfect opportunity for us, uh, and, and so it happened quite quickly after the LRD acquisition, but it, it, it was strategically; it's a very good fit for both businesses, and both businesses were interested in, in trying to form a closer alliance, so it, it seems sensible to start those discussions.
0: That does, that does make sense, and I guess, Paul, if, if Indertrade weren't involved, it would have been you know, um, NRG and LRD, irrespective of the Indertrade involvement, because that was the natural fit between the two businesses at that time. Indotrade would uh, not necessarily relevant to that. It was, it was the, the, the trading combination of LR and NRG, not necessarily the Indotrade influence that would have made that happen anyway, would it?
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, I think both businesses recognised there was uh, such a great opportunity if we both merged together and uh, how we could open up each individual markets to each other bring different skill sets in it. It was just, it was just perfect, really. Mm,
0: okay. Pretending to compete, but not compete at the same time. Yeah. I remember when we started working together, you had different approaches to sales, you had different attitudes to, you know, sort of positioning the marketplace, uh, even routes to market and, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to explore where you went from and what the, the the immediate journey was, Paul, really. So you went from being the owner and the MD and the ultimate decision maker At NRG, and you're going about your business very successfully. You then merge with a direct rival who is also part of a, you know, a very big multinational um, acquiring organization like Indertrade. Um, You must have gone through a hell of a period of what I would call uncertainty. Um, How long did that last in terms of getting into? Because you you became MD of of LR as a result of the merge between LR and NRG, so you suddenly. A guy responsible for something very different. How long did it take for that uncertainty and flux and change to settle down? I think I think I expected there to be a, a
2: certainly a period of uncertainty, and I, I would have been I'd have been probably worried if there hadn't have been any uncertainty. Uh, it's like nerves in a in a in a football match, and if you don't get nervous, they say you're not you know it's not that important to you. Mm. Um, I think to be fair, once we'd started the merger because we decided to do the merger fairly fairly quickly, rather than leave NRG as a separate entity for a for a period of a year, which was the initial plan. Mm. Um, once you start bringing the people in, the, the, the customers start doing, you, you get into normality very quickly, mm. and it's just a bigger project and the the period of uncertainty was
0: probably a few months if that really that's, that's not bad i mean i think it's always you you were ha- obviously had your finger on what was happening the finger on the pulse of that the uncertainty for your team so you had a, you had a new expanded lrd and nrg team merging together how how was the communication of that because that's key i think isn't it in letting them know as much as you can within due diligence and all that what's happening and what's going to happen did you have what were your challenges around Getting that right as quickly as possible because three four months is not, an un, not a not uh, a long time for for uncertainty. That's pretty good going. Yeah, I think the
2: the, the NRG people the, the challenges they had was obviously the build the business was being moved twenty miles down the map down the motorway. Yeah. Um, so from a personal perspective, it, it was all of a sudden you know we're having to travel to work. Mm. But then they also understood that we were going to go into some new exciting markets that we'd never touched. You know the, my, the people I knew and the people we were bringing over, I knew they were all talented people and were going to benefit the LR team. Mm. And therefore, the LR team accepted these people coming into their business. Because what we did, we took the good bits out of both businesses. Yeah. That's what we tried to do. Um, someone asked me just after we started the merger at Indutrade what it was like. And I said, the easiest way I could describe it The cultural side of it was the difficult bit. It's like telling Liverpool or Manchester United you're going to be playing together a week on Saturday. Right. That's pretty much how it works. Um, Yeah,
0: but but both successful in their own right, but both have a very different philosophy to how they go about essentially the same game. So that's a great analogy, by the way. I'm going to ask Peter, just a subsequent follow-up on that. Were you pretty much hands-off as trade watching this happen, or what was your involvement in helping to create the, the new... Merge Venture how does it work you know as the acquiring business how does it work are you an observer are you a passive active what's the what's the process there
1: uh, we, we we tend to be hands-off but supportive so we're there to be a sounding board to discuss things to be an observer and understand what's going on to act as a guide and mentor but actually, it's the people on the ground. It's Paul and his NRG team, and and it was the the uh, MD and and the the leadership team there. They have to make it work, and the both teams wanted to uh, merge together in the way they did. Uh, and there's always going to be uncertainty, and not everybody's going to be on board straight away. But but yeah. our role really is to be there as as a positive, uh, encouraging force, and 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 uh, facilitate the uh, the success and the developments of the businesses as, as they see fit really.
0: Well, I guess, I guess given that you've got 15 companies in the UK, you know, it's not like you've not been through it before. And it's also not like, you know, somebody else you couldn't talk to potentially who's been through that and had some challenges. So mm-hmm. I love the fact that there's a, a family and I call it the industry family. And I think, that's my reference to it as a supplier into the business, and it very much feels like that because every business that I've worked with within the Inditrade family have got some really core, key, consistent values. And so, I guess, Paul, if you wanted to, you could have talked to any one of the people who've been through it, maybe a year or two before that, and seen what the timescales look like. So, in some respects, it's a it's a great model to have the umbrella ahead of it. But I love the hands off approach that lets them, you know, you're the acquiring. Sort of holding part of the business, but ultimately on a trading level, they've still got to work it out between themselves. So good stuff. So Peter, we've explored a little bit about LR NRG Indutrade etc. And it's far from the only business that you've acquired. So I'm interested in what do you personally look for, and what do Indutrade look for in terms on a higher level basis for a business that might be an acquisition. You know what. What um, light bulbs rather than alarm bells switch for you? Then what are you looking for?
1: I, I think the first thing I'd say is is what Indutrade look for and what I look for they're they're totally the same thing. You know, were we have to be totally aligned. But if I look at it from let's say the Indutrade point of view as in a business perspective, I've already mentioned that yeah, all our companies tend to be niche niche technical solution providers so operating in a business to business environment they've got a long track record of of growth and profitability so we only buy well-managed successful businesses we don't we don't buy turnaround cases that's not our model we haven't got the management resource to go into a business and turn it around so buy a well-managed successful business uh, and then support it when I look at a, a new acquisition or potential acquisition from a personal point of view, I really like to focus on the people because when we acquire a business, we we, we generally gain the talent, or at least we hope to gain the talent that comes with that business. And, and for us, uh, you mentioned the word family. It absolutely, in, in trade, feels like a family. Our, our businesses that we acquire very often are, have that family feel, and we try try to retain that. That's really important to us. Mm. So, if we can acquire the right sort of business with the right sort of people, and that's that's you know where, where my focus tends to be, and we can help the people grow, then the business growth will come automatically. It, it will follow that, and and so understanding the people in the business and their backgrounds, their motivations, their reason to exist, there, their, their why is, is really important to us.
0: So the question I've got is, is it obvious very early in your due diligence that you've got a potential fit? And, and more importantly, probably more interestingly for our audience, you know, is it also obvious that your early due diligence suggests that this might not be the right one without naming names, but there must have been times where you've been excited about an acquisition and for whatever reason... The due diligence is proven. To say that's just not right for us. You know, does that happen often? Um,
1: I, I guess when when we're looking for new acquisitions, the first thing we tend to do, if it, depending on on the route of which, if, if it's a business we know because we've got an established relationship with somebody within uh, our our leadership team knows the business, then it's a very different process because we already know the business and there's a relationship there, that's one thing. But if if it's a new business that's introduced to us through uh, a corporate advisor or a broker, then of course they will dress up the business to because their, their goal is to sell the business. And so looking on paper at the profit and loss account, the balance sheet, and, and what they might present in the information memorandum, um, you can pick up a lot of information from that. And that sort of ticks certain boxes about whether the mechanics fit and feel okay. It's the right type of business with the right success record. But the, the cultural fit, which is the most important thing, that's very difficult to really get a sense of until you go in and, and, and meet the people. And then, then you too, do tend to get that feeling very, very quickly. Um, and and that, is a, that is a gut feeling, which we then build on and develop throughout the process through the due diligence process. where We'll have a number of meetings to get to know and build that
0: trust between the sellers and ourselves. So sixth sense is a little bit important in that given the experience that you've had, you can probably pick up things and see things that other people can't see having gone through the acquisition process on that basis. So, um, so Paul, I'm going to explore a little bit, go back to you with uh, you know, obviously you're a successful standalone business as LR in your own right. Um, I'm interested in what day-to-day involvement, if any, uh, Indertrade bring to the table and what impact that has as An acquired company, you know, I class it as LR and Indutrade company. I don't class it as Indutrade owning LR. It feels like it's still under your domain. Day to day, what's the involvement of of Indutrade?
2: Uh, Very little. Um, Indutrade are there uh, for for me as an MD, for any of the MDs that if we need that support, if we need a sounding board. Um, If we have issues that maybe you need to have someone's uh, complete different viewpoint, Um, Peter's an engineer, I'm a salesman. So you get a wide viewpoint there. (laughs) Um, It's, 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 it's it's like having an insurance policy behind you. I think that's the best way I can describe it. It's, it's great to have it if you need it.
0: Yeah. And you retain autonomy in terms of ultimate decision-making, managing your people and your team and, creating your culture you're not your culture seems very aligned with Trade. that might be accidental or deliberate but it's not forced is it as a culture I don't think
2: no I think my my approach to that my cultural view on things is very similar to the way Trade are the very you know they're very involved with their people I am I like to be very communicative with my people you know I I speak to the people pre-pandemic we used to have regular meetings where i shared the vision of where we are today where we'll be tomorrow and where we'll be in four or five years time and that was the mm-hmm. first time they'd ever really heard that but that gets a buy-in from people and i use Indutrade as as the backbone of our business because we're very all the business follow the same rules, the same models, the same cultures, which is great. And that's great for the people that work here mm-hmm. because they're part of a really big organisation with all the same values.
0: Okay. I'm going to follow that with you in terms of competitive advantage then. You are LR in your own right, but you're part of this massive multinational global business. Does does being part of that, does that give you some competitive advantage that you wouldn't ordinarily have. I'm thinking in terms of maybe central services, buying power, or is it very much still devolved down to LR as an individual business unit? I'll ask Paul that first, and I'll ask Peter what your view is on, you know, the kind of competitive advantage that being part of in the trade brings. We
2: for, we operate purely independently, um, but we are encouraged to speak to other MDs, other companies in the group, to share common problems um see if there's any resolutions we can work with um rather than actual using the inditrade brand
0: mm, okay and 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 peter what's your view on you know adding value to the businesses simply by being an inditrade family member you know what's the added values there
1: i think when when we present ourselves to potential uh, owners who are thinking of, of selling their businesses there's there's three things Indie Trade can really bring at a high level. There's three things we can bring to to that company, and it, it, two of them are do's and one of them's a don't. Mm. The two things that we do do is we we can share knowledge because we've got. Over 200 companies selling different products, using different processes into different industry sectors in countries all over the world. We've got a huge amount of know-how and we actively work to share that know-how openly amongst the companies because you can always learn something from any company on on any visit. So as Paul says, we encourage the MDs and other people within the organisations to to share, to network, to get to understand the different businesses. That's one of the things that we can bring to the party. Mm-hmm. but that's t- totally voluntary the companies decide to work together it's nothing's forced from in due trade or by the group we facilitate it we don't force it
0: you do you do have when we're allowed to you know congregate again you do have you know uk conferences so mds and financial people will meet each other so that's the facilitation bit i guess isn't it in terms of you know communication events facilitating conferences and sharing of ideas and best practice that'll happen automatically through networking won't it
1: Absolutely. So, so MD conferences, MDFC conferences, both in the UK within the other business areas and, and Indie Traders Group overall. The talent development programs that we run like that, that you know, will have people from all different roles in different businesses all learning uh, on, on particular subjects together, whether, whether it's a sales subject
0: or a HR subject. Well, on, on that subject, I'm currently delivering a, a, a program. There's, there's eight workshops over seven days and currently the webinars, but we'll go hopefully at some stage, we're allowed to go classroom and whatever. Um, and I've got um, 14 people from uh, nine different businesses in across the group. And like you say, the commonality is the learning about tra- uh, sales, but they're selling to different markets in different ways but you know the consistency is you're putting together which I really like I'm just one element of your learning and development program you really really invest in developing your teams don't you and offering them access to some you know really high quality stuff
1: absolutely and so and that's where we're the facilitator we'll help pull these programs together with, with you know fantastic training facilitators like yourself Mm. but then the, one of the hidden benefits or the real benefits that that, that our participants get out of that is, is they network with other people, their colleagues in sister companies as you say sell different products using different maybe maybe methods and processes into different industry sectors but you can always learn something new from that and that, that's a real value of the way our our talent development program works and that's just one of the tools we use to try and share the knowledge between the the various businesses.
0: So how many people have you got? Who work at Indutrade UK as a central resource, and I'm I'm picturing, but I know it's not true, 40, 50 people managing these 15 businesses, and you know, being offering all these central services. The team's much smaller than that. It's much more agile. Uh,
1: absolutely. I mean, there, there's there's five full-time people within the, the the head office, and we've only grown to that recently o- over the last year or so. But as Paul says, and you, know, we, we we operate on a very hands-off decentralized basis so we put a lot of uh, trust and confidence in the mds and the leadership team within the businesses to run the businesses within our business area team within the uk there's this myself uh, i've got a, a financial controller who helps work with all the financial controllers within each of the separate businesses and there's that link between our our companies in the uk and, and the swedish head office uh, we've got uh, Sonia who focuses on training and talent development programs for all the UK companies. That's all 30 companies. And, and we've also had companies from outside the UK in the group taking part in those. Mm. And then we've got a, a, a couple of other uh, guys who work on digitalization, business transformation through uh, digital technologies and, and data analysis and, and data extraction and, and converting the data we've got within our businesses into uh, information that really helps drive the performances of the businesses as well. So there's only a small team five of us Mm. full-time within
0: the head office it's pretty lean but it's lean because it's light touch isn't it and 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 you know I I know there'll be people listening to this who are business acquirers who want to go into a business and run those businesses that's very much the different model to Indotrade which is you know light touch let them run them and we're here and we've got a central service that might be supportive when and if and when required so uh so Paul you're Three years and a bit in as uh, as, as Lard NRG thereabouts what's what's life like three years down the line you know we, we're talking about a period of change in the early days and change leads often to settled sort of processes. I know you've probably like everybody had a tough 2020 because 2020 was just one of those years that we're hoping to write off. but three years down the line, How does it feel for you compared to maybe what your expectations were in the early stages of conversation about, you know, being an LRD and then an Indo-Trade company? Well, I always think we can do better.
2: So that's one of the problems, I think. Um, We're a better business now than we certainly were three years ago. We're a better business than we were two years ago. And I'd like to think we're a better business than we were last year, this time last year. Mm. Uh, we have a new IT system through the support of Indutrade. Trade. That's one of the advantages of having um, a big, solid foundation behind you. You can invest. Yeah. Um, we've got a different, slightly different direction. We're selling better products. Our support network is, you know, is better than probably anyone's now in the market. Um, so I think, from overall, we've certainly improved you know since the acquisition of allied by the trade and then subsequently the merger there's a few hiccups along the way but people who don't expect hiccups you know are
0: are probably lying and we we, we're very straight we're very open i'd say those hiccups would be there whether you were an acquired business or not that's just running a business you have hiccups paul don't you know know, some of them some of them are, are not specific to anything they're just hiccups of running a business i guess um Going back to what you said there about you know the the IT system and the investment in the IT, one is the investment and the confidence to invest being part of something bigger. But I guess also there must be elements where you're looking for something, and maybe one of the other businesses in the, you know, the the, the wider group of, of investors. so I'm thinking like CRM systems or something of that nature, where someone says, We use this, it's brilliant. Let's have a demo. There's lots of opportunities to cross fertilize ideas and best practice, then, Peter, isn't there?
1: And, and that's exactly the case, yeah. Whether whether it's IT systems, whether it's methods and methodologies of, of penetrating into particular geographic markets or, or industry sectors, as yeah. said, because we've got so many different businesses in different industry sectors, um, we've got that know-how. We you know we'll we'll do whatever we can to facilitate that not that knowledge sharing. And I guess one of the one of the things I look for when, when we're trying to acquire a business is if somebody's open to share their knowledge as well as learn. Then, then it's a win-win for the Indutrade group because with every company we acquire, we'll gain some great new knowledge mm-hmm. and that company, if they're willing to learn, will learn about from our other companies within the group.
0: Brilliant. Okay. Well, Peter, if a business owner or board have got ambitions to execute an exit strategy, what advice would you give them about the process, the timing, getting the business ready for consideration by Indutrade? What do they need to be putting in place?
1: Um, well, firstly, I would say they need to think very carefully about what they what they want and the reasons for making the the change. If it is an exit strategy, you know what why you know what is it they want out of it, and speak with a number of people about the different options because there's always a lot of options when when you're an owner manager. You know what the options that uh, that you ultimately want to move forward with, and of course, selling your business to a company like Indutrade is one of those options, but it's only one of a number of options. And we'd only want to acquire a business if that was their preferred option, and that was the right option for the business Mm. Uh, i think the the going through the an acquisition process or selling process is a huge distraction on the business it it is stressful and it can easily take a year for an for an owner Uh, and i guess they need to expect that any investor who's going to invest in their business is going to ask a lot of questions so make sure you've got your your information in order whether that's hr information commercial information um, contracts, supplier contracts, customer contracts, uh, anything like that needs to be in, in good order. And if there are issues, challenges, skeletons in the cupboard, it's best to be open about those from day one, because they, they will get discovered. They, they, they will, through the process of due diligence, they will be uncovered. So it's best to be open about them, and then then, then we can deal with it. It's not not an issue as long as we know about it.
0: It's a bit like an extended version of the apprentice final interview process where you're digging into the past. It's also a combination of Dragon's Den where you're looking to say, how are you a good fit? And and in a much more robust manner, it's taking longer than both of those. Uh, Paul, what would you say to a business that might be looking to be acquired as a a person who's been through that process and now is in a, a three year maturity with you know, being an acquired business, but very much still in control of Elard. What would you say to a business who's in the same position? What advice would you give a business looking to be acquired? When you when you're in the middle of due diligence, you're actually encouraged to go and speak to
2: um, someone who's been through it, part of the Indu Trade Group, and they generally reiterate what Peter's been telling you during that that, that due diligence. And what I'd say to anybody is from, from trade perspective it is they're exactly as they say, very decentralized. They acquire you and they let you carry it on. And the reason is because they see the value in the team that's created it. Whereas others other, acqu- other acquirers might potentially break that team up. Mm. And I think that's a real strong value that Indutrade have. It comes across in due, due diligence and then when you've been
0: acquired it's exactly what they say they are. I suspect, Peter, that the vast majority of your senior management teams in the acquired businesses stay as they are, you know, for, for a length of time. Things move and people move on and that's what happens in business anyway. But you're acquiring the team as well as the business, aren't you? You don't want to strip that down and get rid of that because you haven't got the resources to put anybody in from industry because you're a very lean team yourself. That's not your model, is it?
1: absolutely not but but also as as i've said you we we acquire well-run well-managed successful businesses Mm -hmm. and who are we to do anything to damage what's built that business we we want to retain that and build upon it and add value to it that the last thing we want to do is is destroy the businesses we acquire so we don't seek to change the businesses we seek the businesses to help them change themselves and develop for the better and we're, we're that we're that sort of facilitation to do that
0: Excellent. Final question for both of you. I'll ask Peter first. What does the rest of 2021 hold for Indutrade? You've already had a a storming start to the early level of acquisition. What's the rest of 2021 look like for you?
1: I think really positive. As as, as we know, 2020 was a a very difficult year for industry and business in general. As an Indutrade group, it also happened to be our best year in terms of sales and profitability. And that's certainly a testament to the structural strength of the organization the business model that we adopt so I, we-
0: hang on i'm going to uh, it's, it's surely testament to the quality of the sales training programs that we've put in place. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm only joking peter that's fine i'm only joking
1: well it, it's a combination of many many things isn't it but it's it's ultimately it's all, all down to the people in our businesses and that, that's the sales people it's the leadership teams it's people on the shop floor and and and, and that, i guess that's that's the thing we've got over seven thousand employees with the mean trade group and they all understand their role to play and they've all got a vital role to play within within the business and, and they're what make new trade successful ultimately and, and 2020 despite the pandemic was a very successful year for 20 uh, for, for indian trade i yeah. expect 2021 to be uh be, you know equally successful will continue to grow both organically and through acquisition and there's no reason to
0: suspect that that rate of growth will will slow down That's if true. anything it should increase I was only playing with you on the sales training program, but you know that uh, it, it, I love I love the ambition for the business. So, uh, last question for Paul LR twenty twenty one. You have had the same tough trading years as everybody else. You've had furloughs. You've had you know changes in markets. You've had lots of stuff going on. How does twenty twenty one look for you, Paul? Well, my answer will be a lot
2: shorter than Peter's. Um, we actually finished twenty twenty really strongly. Um, and we've continued into this year. Uh, we've had a really strong start to Q1. Uh, the idea is to continue that, but obviously to improve
0: uh, and hit our budget. Excellent. That's all. I'm sure Pete will finish on that. Pete will be very happy with that. And uh, I'm sure you will be as well. Um, for, for what I say to the, uh, the, the people watching the podcast, mm-hmm. I'm going to put your contact details on. For those who are regulars, they'll know that the uh, Impact Sessions is available on the uh, Impact Group website. It's on our YouTube channel, but the website also has links to all of the usual popular platforms, such as iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, CastBox, Podbean, amongst others. Um, the contact details for uh, both Peter and Paul are on the screen for those who watch, but they'll also be in the uh, the notes for the uh, the episode. So there's no excuse not to maybe have a conversation if you're interested in that. And, um, you know, on that basis, all that remains for me to say is thank you, uh, both of you, for being fantastic guests sharing some real insights and um hopefully you know given some thought from our uh, listeners and and watchers of the podcast as to you know how the whole process works and and maybe giving some inspiration to you know maybe what their exit strategies might be at some stage if they've got ambitions on that front so uh without further ado Peter thank you very much and Paul thank you very much for being great guests okay